0: You're listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network. It
1: is time. It is time. They can't be the Packers? No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I am your host, J.J. Leahy. Uh, Before we started, 231-714-4195. That's the number you can call or text. And uh, it's my Google Voice phone number. Send in voicemails for me to play on the show. I can answer questions. You can just throw uh theories and topics out there that you would like to hear. Uh it's it's been a little while since the phone line was buzzing. Used to get several calls per week and that was a lot of fun. It's kind of dropped off recently and I'd like to get that going again. So 231 714 4195. Also, Twitter, I'm I'm very active on Twitter. J J L A H E Y, J J Leahy is the Twitter handle. Follow me there. Uh, It's the same for Patreon if you want to support this show and continue to make it possible. Um, Okay. Monday Night Football. Packers probably need to win this one. It is – if the the Niners lose, they – because they've already won their division. But if they lose and they're playing the Commanders, that – negatively impacts the Packers to the point where if they lose to the Rams and the commanders beat the Niners, then the Packers are out. Commanders, Lions, Seahawks. These are the three teams that we are competing with for that wild card spot. So if the Packers uh, lose to the Rams, they have a 1% chance of making the playoffs. They currently have a 6% chance they can lose one game down the stretch total. Now, if they happen to lose to the Dolphins, that impacts them slightly less than if they lose to the Rams, Vikings, or Lions. And that is because AFC opponent, uh, the tiebreaker scenario uh, is more favorable uh, because a loss to an NFC opponent hurts you more in a tiebreaker than a loss to an AFC op- opponent. So if you're going to lose one of those uh, four remaining games, you want it to be the Dolphins game. So uh, right now, no tiebreakers come into play, but it could happen. So, um, all right. Uh, I did do a... Rams preview on No Huddle Radio. I do that every Friday with Gil Martin over on PackersTalk.com. That episode did go up um, pretty late in the day, so you might have missed it if you're used to looking in your feed for it on Friday morning. It went up uh, late Friday afternoon. I think the information that we presented there is uh, pretty good. Um, the one thing is that at that point in time, we didn't know yet whether Aaron Donald would play and we did talk a lot about how important it was whether or not he played. Because the Packers uh, really, really need rushing production in order to win a game. And it is no coincidence that the one week that Aaron Donald missed, they allowed the most yards rushing on the ground all season. So he is out. Um, So that is big. I am picking the Packers to win. Um, I think that they will win pretty comfortably. Let me see here. I just want to pull this up and and make sure that uh, because I'm picking them to cover. And here we go. Okay, so they are eight-point favorites. I'm picking them to win by 10 points. If Aaron Donald was playing, I, I think I actually would pick them to lose. Um, despite the fact that the Rams offense is pretty incompetent. Um, I, I just think that it makes that big of a difference. Yes, Aaron Donald is phenomenal, but like their run defense is really, really good. And as, uh, Ryan was talking about on the Packernet podcast, the Packers have only won one game this entire season when they rushed for fewer than 175 yards. The Raiders. Got 165 yards against the Rams, and a couple different ways you could look at that. You could say, well, it's because they have Josh Jacobs and he's a freak. I choose to also lump in there the fact that Aaron Donald did not play in that game. So I think that that is probably the bigger factor there. So I uh, like I said, I am picking the Packers to win this one. I'll just tell you right now, I'm not picking them to win any other games the rest of the year. Um, They could change my mind, depending on how they play against the Rams. Because there's a difference between winning and playing well and looking like a good football team. I think that they can not be a great football team and still win this game. If they play really well, that is going to change how I view this stretch Uh, of four games that they need to win to get into the playoffs. The uh, Lions are, you know, everybody's excited about them right now. Um, They still just have some problems. Um, Their offense is really good. Uh, The defense, good sometimes. It's inconsistent. I, I still think the Lions are a team that you can really take advantage of. The, my co-host on No Huddle Radio is picking the Packers to beat the Rams and the Lions. Um, I, 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 I don't, I'm not taking into consideration a ton how the Lions are playing at this moment because they were really bad when they beat us earlier in the year. It really, to me, divisional games don't have a ton to do with momentum. And if you're playing really good football, kind of the last thing you want to do is run into a a division rival because that can be just a buzzsaw. When you get these really familiar opponents and you got these players who match up against each other two times a year and coaching staffs that really know each other and you know the emotions are running hot. Like division games are just always nuts. I like to, I've been, I don't know, for two, three years, three years, I think. I've been playing, um, in a, in a pick, pick 'em pool. Um, actually, I'm in, uh, I'm in a couple of them, but, but my main one is, um, run by Dale over at the, uh, Average Cheese podcast. Um, good guy. And, um, I've been in that one, I think three years now. And I don't do fantastic there, <laughs> but the one thing I, I do hit on is the, uh, divisional matchups, you know, you get these, um, these ones that are h- kind of hard to predict. And I do, I think a, a lot better than average with those. And part of it is that I always, I always consider and wait very heavily how the most recent matchups have gone between these teams. And I, you know, if I if I really wanted to do a better job of of winning in this pick and pool, I would just go do this for every single game, but I don't. But I do go look at the head to head record for every single divisional game, and usually, what you see is that one team has won like six out of the last eight, and usually is on a bit of a win streak, like maybe a, maybe a three game winning streak, something like that. And obviously you're not going to get 100% of those just by, you know, using that information. But, uh, too often, uh, people who just are not familiar with a division, uh, they'll, they'll just pick the, the better team. And like their fans would tell you, Oh my gosh, you know, uh, as a Titans fan, I have absolutely no thought that, that we're going to beat the one and 11 Jaguars or whoever. Obviously that's not their record this year, but. Like it was their record last year. And it's it's just one of those things. Like you got to look at how these teams play against each other. And we all know what the, what the lions do to the Packers. Um, so 2019 we swept them, but we led for zero seconds across both games. Uh, both games came down to game winning field goals as time expired in 2020. We swept them. We swept them comfortably. Uh 2021, they beat us the second game of the year, and you can say, oh, well, it was Jordan Love. Okay, we were down big at halftime when Rodgers was playing. I don't know that we come back and win that game if we played Rodgers. I don't. Yes, it was a meaningless game um, for the Packers. It was not meaningless for the Lions. And when you had all your starters in there, you weren't getting the job done against them. So... Um, I'm just saying. Uh twenty eighteen Lions swept us. So they beat us thirty one to twenty three earlier on the season, back in October, and then the last game of the year, of course, um, was the one where Aaron got hurt, got a concussion, and um the Sean Kaiser came in, it was a disaster, and they <sighs> I think they had a fake field goal. Yeah, it was a fake field goal. Um beat us thirty one to zero. Like the Packers-Lions head-to-head record over the last few years is not great uh, for the Packers. I'm actually going to gonna read this off. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, Packers have lost their last two games against the Lions. Prior to that, they were on a four-game, a five-game winning streak. So that would be two games in 2019, two in 2020, and then the first game in 2021. So the Lions are on a two game winning streak, following a five game winning streak for us, following a four game winning streak for the Lions, following a three game winning streak for the Packers. This is just how it's gone. Like it's one team dominates the rivalry for kind of a while. And also you would point to those stretches where the Packers did dominate, <coughs> excuse me, the Lions. And the Lions were kind of uniquely bad um, during both of those those streaks, so I, I just would keep that in mind. I just the Lions care more about this rivalry than the Packers do, and I, I it, when they are not like the worst team in football, it shows up in the win loss column that the Lions care more. And my biggest problem with the Packers this entire year has not been a talent issue. It has been a motivation issue. All right. When you're, when you're watching them week after week for five weeks, just go out there and just kind of not really believe in themselves. And, uh, you know, they're playing an inferior opponent, uh, presumably, and they don't really take them seriously. And, and then we're all watching and going like, we didn't really expect you to walk in there and kick their butts. Why did you expect To go into a, you know, almost a must win team or must win game and just coast to a victory. So again, I'm basing all this off of the way the Packers have played this year. I think that they can change my mind how they play against the Rams. It is Monday night football. Packers play really well in primetime. It's at home. They are coming off a, 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 an extra long bye. That should be in their favor. I understand the whole bye week thing with the Packers, but that should be in their favor. The Rams are bad. This should be a butt whipping. If it's not a butt whipping, if they don't cover eight points here, no way in the world am I picking them to run the table down these last four games. I'm just not. Anyways, I think I mentioned off the top of the show. Maybe I didn't. Uh, Sammy Watkins got released. And there is a, a one to one correlation here between Sammy Watkins snaps and Christian Watson snaps. I know Romeo Dobbs is coming back and everybody's trying to turn this into a Romeo Dobbs thing. I, I mean, sure. I guess like he's like the final, um, straw on the camel's back of like, all right, like we just don't need like a backup wide receiver, but Sammy Watkins has not been playing and the last game where he had substantial snaps was Week 9 against Detroit. Of course, Christian Watson was supposed to be uh, the focal point of the offense in that game, we know. And he didn't play because he got uh, hit early on the game, and then the team thought he might have a concussion. And Christian was saying he didn't have a concussion, he didn't even get hit in the head. But they were just overly cautious with him, which I think he probably could have made a better decision there. But I understand the caution. Christian Watson in that Detroit game played 17 offensive snaps. He had been struggling with his health ever since week three. So he played 40 snaps in week one, 22 snaps in week two, did not play in week three, had 18 snaps each in weeks four and five, didn't play again until week eight, and he had six snaps. Uh, and then, uh, and that was the game where he got concussed right away. Week 9 is Detroit. 17 snaps in, he gets hurt. Um, And the Packers um pull him from the game. Week 10 against Dallas, he plays 54 snaps. Okay, keep in mind, Sammy Watkins had 60 snaps versus Detroit. Versus Dallas, he played 21 snaps. Christian Watson took this man's job. Week 11, Christian Watson, 49 snaps. Week 11, Sammy Watkins, or sorry, sorry, uh... Week yeah, week eleven, Sammy Watkins, twenty-two snaps. Week twelve, Christian Watson, forty-five snaps. Week twelve Sammy Watkins four snaps. Week thirteen, Christian Watson, sixty-one snaps. Week thirteen, Sammy Watkins, seven snaps. So he's played eleven snaps in the last two weeks. The two weeks prior to that he played twenty-one and twenty-two snaps uh respectively. Prior to that, he was getting 40 to 60 snaps per game. Christian Watson is getting 45 to 61 snaps per game over the four weeks here where Sammy Watkins' snaps have disappeared. This is it's a one-to-one correlation. This is not a Romeo Dobbs thing. It's a Christian Watson thing. Um, I like Sammy Watkins. I was happy when we went and got him. He was on my short list. I don't remember who the other guy was that I wanted. Will Fuller, I think it was Sammy Watkins and Will Fuller were the two guys I wanted. <clears throat> I think that's who it was. Um, and it, it didn't go great. Uh, Sammy played in nine games. He let me see here. He was targeted 22 times, had 13 receptions for 206 yards, no touchdowns. Didn't he have a rushing touchdown? Rushing, 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 rushing. He didn't play any, any. He didn't have any rushing snaps. I thought he had uh, one rushing touchdown. Oh, Christian Watson had a rushing touchdown. See, Christian's stealing everything from Sammy. Now, Sammy did do a good job blocking. Uh The last two games that he played, uh he had crucial blocks for another receiver. And I, I think that's huge. But, again, he only played 11 snaps. Um, I'm going to miss Sammy. I don't think anybody else is going to miss Sammy, but I liked him a lot. I liked, um, his presence. I thought that he displayed some good leadership. I think he's a smart guy. Um, just never made any kind of impact on the field. He had two games, Dallas and Chicago, the first Chicago game, I should say, um, where he had a good grade. So 80.7 against Chicago, 85.1 against Dallas, his second or I should say his third highest grade all season was a 60.4 versus Washington. He he just he never made much of an impact other than as a blocker. Um the one thing I will say, I felt like when he was out there running deep routes, you you felt the um pressure taken off of the other receivers. Similar to what you're, you you are see from Christian Watson. Christian's doing a better job of that than Sammy did, but you felt it. When Sammy wasn't out there, the passing game couldn't do anything at all. It was brutal. There were two games <clears throat> that he did play that the, that the passing game just couldn't do anything at all still. And that was Washington and Detroit. Um, but I will just say, Detroit... I don't know why I'm getting into the weeds so much on this. Detroit was a crazy game because it was a monumental uh, failure by the wide receivers. And Sammy, I think, was one of the bigger contributors to the problems with the receiving room that day. It was a monumental failure by the receivers and by Rodgers. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen Rodgers play. That was horrific. PFF gave him a good grade for that game. I don't understand it. I thought he was horrible against the Lions. I've never wanted to bench Aaron as much as I did, uh, following that Lions game. And of course he follows that game up with, uh, the frickin' Dallas game, which made me so mad because he played so well against Dallas. It was so much fun to watch. Such an exciting game. And the whole time you're like, you know, we are sitting at like a, the number two overall draft pick right now. And you're really trying hard to win this game. And I don't know that you're going to win a lot of other games the rest of the year. Um, can you just like pick a side? Can you either play this good all the time and run the table or go back to Detroit level so that we can get a really good draft pick, like one or the other, just pick one, pick a lane, man. Anyways. So Sammy Watkins, Simon Green Bay, um, short, sure. Um, not super memorable. Not really any highlights uh, that we're going to look back on. But Sammy was a guy I have wanted in Green Bay for years. He was drafted in 2014. Certainly since 2018, I've been really, really wishing we could get him in Green Bay. Um, kind of a little bit too too little, too late. But uh, good luck to Sammy on his next stop. Looking forward to seeing... Dobbs back in the action. Uh, he's been out since mm, Detroit week nine. So, um, and he, he actually played well against Detroit. I forgot about that. Uh, Dobbs and Watson together running routes as complete receivers. Not something we've gotten to witness all year. This might go terribly or it might be like the greatest thing ever. Um, Fingers crossed if you're going to make a run done these last four games of the season, I think having Dobbs, who was a dude that we were like over the moon excited about to start the season, having him out there fully healthy, playing extra Christian and see what they both can do. I think that's that would be huge. You know, if you got Dobbs, Watson and Lazard as your your top three and then, you know, Randall Making his, his contributions. I mean, I think that this could really work. Is worth noting, Romeo Dobbs had a four game streak of being like kind of terrible. I guess the, uh, the Giants game, which was sandwiched in inside that four game stretch, he was just slightly bad, but against the Patriots, the Jets and the commanders, Dobbs graded out really uh, really poorly. His worst grade was against the commanders, 43.6. Now he followed that up with a 72.7 against the Bills and a an 88.4 against the Lions. So he was getting hot again right before he got injured. He had a hot start, a sucky middle, and then a hot finish before getting hurt. And now he's missed six games. So... Got to see what he's going to do when he comes back. Um, I'll just say for a rookie, not super unexpected. Um, I think I, actually the, the peaks are the unexpected part. That he had an 88 grade in week nine against the Lions. That's the part that you don't expect. Uh 74.8 against Tampa was his second highest grade of the season. Uh, he's had a couple of games where he did a fantastic job run blocking. Week one against Minnesota. And week five against uh the Giants. The rest of the year, he was average or bad in run blocking. But he's got something there. And good news, zero penalties all year for Romeo Dobbs. So I am excited to get him back in the lineup. The Packers currently sit at number 10 in the draft order. They uh have let's see the remaining strength of schedule is five five3. I'm trying to see who has harder than that. Chicago is a 570. Pitts oh. no Pittsburgh's below us. so are they? Yeah five five three. So it's just Chicago. Does anybody else have a harder schedule than us? No. We have the hardest schedule remaining in the league. That is interesting. Sorry, second hardest. I just, I just said the Bears have a harder schedule than we do. So the second hardest schedule remaining in the league. Uh, we don't need to run the table to get into the, into the playoffs. We do need to win three of four for sure. And if you're going to lose one, again, it helps uh, minorly if your loss is to Miami versus anybody else if the Packers lost out the highest they could conceivably reach in the draft would be number two. If Houston wins every remaining game, they still have the number one pick in the draft. They have locked that up. Uh, no, actually that's not true. That's not true. Uh, Houston just can't fall lower than green Bay. Houston could fall behind Chicago uh Denver, whose pick belongs to Seattle, Arizona, uh, the Rams, whose pick belongs to Detroit, and they could tie with let's see here, they could tie with the Colts. The question is, it doesn't really matter. Um, but the who who won on the field between the Colts and Texans. Um and I forget who Houston's one win so far has come against and if they have to play India again, but, um, so Houston cannot fall behind Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, whose pick belongs to the Eagles, uh, Green Bay, uh, those are the five win teams. So they can't fall behind any of those. So the highest the Packers could conceivably reach would be number two and they don't play. The only team they play would be the Rams. So if they're – look, if you're not going to make it into the playoffs, let's just say, if you don't make it into the playoffs, you kind of want the Rams to win tonight because their draft pick belongs to Detroit, and they would drop from fifth overall down to right about where we're sitting, right about tenth. So if Detroit's draft pick got a little bit worse, that would be nice. We don't play anybody else left on the schedule who has a really high draft pick because Detroit's um, owned pick is at 18. So there you go. I'm going to take a quick uh, ad break for our sponsors. And then when we come back, I want to talk about Aaron Jones and whether he should come back next year.
0: You may have heard his contract is a little bit crazy, Let's have a conversation about that. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
1: All right, Aaron Jones has been phenomenal. His overall PFF grade this year is an 88.4. He has a 90.4 rushing grade. Um, not a ton of touchdowns. Um, that has kind of been a thing since twenty nineteen. He had a ton of touchdowns in twenty nineteen. Was it nineteen touchdowns? I think that's what it was. Um, and then he's barely gotten in the end zone at all the last few years. He has two total touchdowns uh on the ground this year. Let me see, as a receiver, he has four touchdowns as a receiver. So that matters. But um, so six total touchdowns for him this year. Um, here's the obvious issue. Um, he is the best player on offense this year for the Packers. He's been better than Aaron Rodgers. Do you expect him to for sure be better than Aaron Rodgers next year? No, I think that, I think you just have to acknowledge. Usually Aaron is the best offensive player we have. So Um, you know, if you're just playing the odds, you'd expect if Aaron is back next year, he probably returns to form. Um, you know, you can't assume injury for him again. He probably bounces back and is the best player on offense for you. The question is next year, are you going to be as reliant on Aaron Jones as you have been this year? And how much value are you getting out of Aaron Jones? Uh, this year or next year. So Jones, um, valuation by over the cap is just a skosh under $12 million a year. And that is what he is averaging over the course of his contract. $12 million a year. He's valued at 11.9. Here's the problem. His cap hit in 2021 was $4.4 million. In 2022, it was 5.9. You don't feel at all bad about paying that. The problem is next year, obviously, his cap hit jumps up to $20 million. Um Now, he's only actually under contract for 2023 and 2024. Then he has two void years tacked on. Now, one thing you could do... Is you could keep pushing money out into the future. The, uh, starting in 2025, when he is not on the roster anymore, we still have a cap hit of $1.5 million. Um, and then 2026 is a dummy year. So we have pushed out three quarters of a million dollars into that year, but it actually doesn't like by by the time 2026 rolls around that year no longer exists. So the way void years work, just a refresher, you tack on these empty years at the end of a contract and the language is written in that says, um, you know, Hey, we have, um, we have an agreement with Aaron Jones um, for him to, uh, play in 2025 and 2026. However, on January th- or on, on uh, February 28 or whatever of 2024, the these years will be void. So they are years on his contract right now, and that means you can prorate a bonus out over them. What that means is. When you pay a player a bonus, like a signing bonus, which is the one the Packers like to do the most, a, a the, the way a, a signing bonus specifically works is if you pay him a $20 million signing bonus and his contract is for four years, you pay him all $20 million right now today. All $20 million goes into his bank account. However, you are then allowed to prorate that bonus out across all four years of your salary cap. So even though you've already paid him the money, it's divided up equally among all four years. So since I use a nice round number of 20 million, that means $5 million in dead cap every year for money you've already paid out to him. Now, the second that these years become void, all of the money from those later years tolls immediately on the contract. So this money uh, is $763,000 each in 2025 and 2026. That money, it all comes due in 2025 as soon as these uh 2025 and 2026 years are voided. So his actual cap hit in 2026 is zero. Uh, and his cap hit in 2025 becomes 1.5 million dollars. And you can you can swallow that quite easily. In fact, let me see here. The Packers in 2025, when that would be due, um, they have 139 million dollars in uh in cap hit so far for 2025, and I think. So do we know yet how much the cap space is gonna be in 2025? We don't. The furthest out we know is twenty twenty-four, when it'll be up to two hundred and fifty-six million dollars. So twenty twenty-two the, the cap hit for every team was two hundred and eight thousand. Twenty twenty-three it jumps up to twenty twenty or two hundred and twenty-five thousand. I keep saying thousand, it's million. Two hundred and twenty $225 dollars in twenty twenty-three is how much you have to spend. In 2024, it jumps up to $256 million. So you would expect that number to be in the range of $275 million in 2025. The Packers currently um, ha- are on the hook for $139 million of that 275 estimated million. So they're in a fine spot for 2025 right now. Uh, they certainly could and probably will do some stuff to screw up that number a little bit just based on the way they've been doing things. But you can swallow $1.5 million, no problem, for 2025. What you could do is he has a bunch of money uh, built into his contract right now that you have some options with. So first of all, let's talk about the money that has already been prorated out as a bonus. So this is something you cannot touch. So for 2023, his total cap hit is $20 million in 2024. The other year where he's actually a player on your roster, his cap hit is $16 million. Both of those are like impossible to carry, but the 20 in 2023 is obviously much more challenging to carry Um, he accounts for almost 9% of the total salary cap in 2023 in 2024, he'll account for 6% of the total salary cap. Now that is double what he, it's actually more than double what he currently costs, which is, uh, over the last two years, it's been, uh, an average of about two and a half percent of the salary cap. Now, before we go any further, I want to point out something to you, and that is for 2023, the Green Bay Packers are currently slated to be paying the most amount of money to running backs of any team in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints, and the Tennessee Titans. Sorry, the Dallas Cowboys. Forget the other teams for a second. Dallas Cowboys are in uh second place. They are paying to Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Um seventeen and a half million and a half million dollars. The Packers are playing are paying Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon twenty-one point seven million dollars. So that's uh four point two million dollars more than the second place team. I'm just curious, so that we're paying four point two more than the second place team. How far do you have to get down before just four point two is what teams are paying? Uh it's, basically it's the Jets at twenty one. So we are, there's, uh, from 21 to 32, there are, uh, 11 teams whose total running back cap hit right now is equal or less than the gap between the Packers and the number two team. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, if you look at the 10th highest running back cap hit, it's $10.9 million, which is, Here's the crazy thing is that we were paying $21.7 million to these two running backs, but almost all of it is going to Aaron Jones. So 20 million goes to Aaron Jones and then 1.7 goes to AJ Dillon. So you got to adjust this. (laughs) They are paying a combined 9.33% of their entire salary cap to their top two running backs. I think I've successfully convinced you that that's a problem, but there are multiple solutions. So if you were to just cut Aaron Jones outright, you would still be left with a dead cap of $9.5 million uh, to not play for you. If you just leave his contract as is, you pay over $20 million. I think both of those options are kind of unlikely. I think the Packers will try and keep him because he is so important to their offense. And you can lower his cap hit pretty substantially. So, $4,013,000 of his cap hit has already been prorated. This is, this is bonus money that was paid out in 2021 or earlier that is currently hitting your salary cap for 2023. His money already paid him, but the cap hit has to come this year and you can't change it at all. He's going to cost a minimum of $4 million. And that is just from kicking money down the road from 2021. Now his base salary is $8.1 million. This is what you have the most freedom with. You can take... Like as much of that you could, <clears throat> you could take that entire base salary. Um, pretty much, let's see what's the what's the minimum salary you have to pay him? Let's see, nine hundred ninety thousand dollars is the vet minimum for a player who's been in the NFL for four to six years, which is where he lies. So, all right, grab grab the old calculator. So eight million one hundred thousand. Um minus $990,000 is $7.11 million. So we divide that by four because it's the current number of years that would be left on this contract, including the void years. <clears throat> so you could take $1.77 million and push it into each of the four remaining years. Now, 2023 has to be one of those years. So in 2023... He would be making a minimum of 2.7 uh six million dollars for just his base salary plus 4013000, four oh one three zero 13, zero zero four million thirteen thousand for a total that, that's the prorated stuff that we already talked about. The minimum cap hit that he can have in 2023 is six point seven eight million dollars. Which is totally swallowable. And his, so his cap hit would jump up from 2021 through 2023. It would jump up 4.46, 5.9, 6.78. I think you're, you're totally fine with that. Now, one big problem, there's multiple problems we gotta get to, but one of them is that he has other money in his contract that is owed to him. One of those is a roster bonus of $400,000 or it's a, a game roster bonus, I should say. And he also has a workout bonus of half a million dollars. So uh we have to add, if you carried him into the season and didn't change this, and I'm not sure you can change it, but um if you didn't, that would bump his total cap hit up to $7.68 million for 2023. The, Bigger problem is he has a $7 million roster bonus. So that roster bonus is due March 31st. So prior or sorry, March 19th. So prior to March 19th, the Packers will make a decision about what they're doing with Aaron Jones, and they will change something about his contract, I think, because they're not paying him $20 million for 2023. Or at least they are not going to have a, salary cap hit of $20 million so you can turn this roster bonus into a signing bonus and so that 7 million um divided by four is 1.75 million dollars so you add that to the 7 what 7.86 i think is what it was so that means his total cap hit would be $9.61 million in 2023. I think you still are okay with that. It hurts, but it's about double what he is getting paid right now Uh against the cap, which is 5.9. So he'd be sitting at 9620000 million-ish. It hurts, and you're going to have a really big bill that comes due in 2025. But it's doable. And I think this is probably the route that the Packers go. Now, here's the problem is number one, we haven't t- touched on 2024 at all. And 2024 was already expensive at $16 million. And we just added $4.3 million to it. But also for 2025, we so we pushed out $4.3 million to 2025 and to 2026, but it's all due in 2025. So in 2025, we are suddenly on the hook for $8.58 million for a guy who's no longer on the team. And, uh, 2024, you're stuck right back where you originally were for 2023 with $20,303,500 against the cap for Aaron Jones. So you could lower his 2023 cap hit down all the way to $9.61 million, which is a lot, but is doable. But then you're on the hook in 2024 for $20 million bucks. Um, and you kind of have to keep him at that point, even if he is hurt and can't really play anymore because he is due a base salary in 2024 of $11.1 million, no roster bonus, uh, less than a million dollars in other bonuses. So not much that you can clear out. It's $11 million that you can clear out. However, if you cut him. You wouldn't owe that eleven point one million dollars anymore, but you would immediately owe uh eight and a half million dollars for your two void years because then that would all of a sudden toll for twenty twenty two so you would you would cut him and you would still be paying him almost twenty million bucks to not be on the team and you will have only saved a total of about three million dollars so there is another area that we could talk about. And that is Aaron Jones getting up there in age. He's 28 years old right now. So uh, he will be 30 by the time this contract ends. And then you're stuck paying uh, right now. It's $1.5 million or with the moves that I think they'll make, You would be paying a minimum of $8.5 million in 2025 for him to not be in your team. Maybe he takes some sort of a pay cut the way Randall Cobb did. I would not do this if I was Aaron Jones. All right, this is your very last chance to make money for your family. You're not probably in a spot where if they decide that they just can't get a deal done with you and... They have to cut you. You're not in a spot where you can't still recoup a lot of this money from another team elsewhere. I think that you would find somebody out there who would pay you a, they, they probably would give you a $20 million contract for two years. I think you could find that easily. If you're Aaron Jones, I think you could find more than that. If the Packers just cut him outright, Aaron Jones stands to lose 37 and a half million dollars total over the next Really, it's three years. So the Packers would have to pay $9.5 million for a t- player who's not on their team anymore, which would suck. But we just said that if he ran through this whole contract and then we paid him $8.5 million, so $1 million less, in 2025 to not be on our roster, we said we'd be okay with that. So we're not okay with $9.5 million next year, but we are okay with $8.5 million two years from now or three years from now, I guess. I think this is maybe an option that's on the table is just cutting him. It's, it is certainly the simplest option. Is it the best man? A lot of our offense runs through Aaron Jones. I actually made a mistake because we, we owe him 9.552 no matter what. If we keep him, he's 37, So if we cut him, we are saving 28 million bucks for two years of production. Uh, So he's missing out on $28 million. I think he can recoup close to 28 million bucks over two years and probably could play a little bit beyond that if he wanted to. Um, I, I, I think he could do that. I think he could make up the missing money by going to another team. So I do think Aaron Jones would be okay. It would really suck to see him in another uniform, see him playing for a different team. Um, but man, this is a this is an option the Packers have to consider. And I think I think the question is: Can you replace the value of Aaron Jones to this offense over the next two years for less than twenty eight million bucks? And I mean, actually replace it, not just get a body in there who um, can run the ball. I'm talking about the overall impact he has on the offense. How much of the offense runs through Aaron Jones? Um, I, I think that this is something you, you have to have an answer for. And we have seen that the receiver room that we put out there in 2022 has not been good enough to get the job done without Aaron Jones. The Packers have won one game so far this year where they ran for less than 175 freaking yards. He is so crucial to this offense, and A.J. Dillon has not had a great year. I think that prior to this year, a lot more people would have been okay with the idea of, yeah, let's move on from Aaron Jones and make A.J. Dillon the feature back moving forward. After the season Dillon had in 2022, I don't think that you feel that confident anymore, and there were were some people who really thought that Kylan Hill was going to be something and that Oh, you know, he was going to take over for Aaron Jones, whatever. You don't, you don't have anybody else besides AJ Dillon. You would have to draft a guy. Now, AJ Dillon is a second round pick. Um, It is time for him to step up and take over the offense and be that guy. And I think that if I'm Brian Gutekunst, I'm having some serious conversations with Matt LaFleur and running backs coach Ben Sermons about... We need to put AJ Dillon in as many situations to succeed and to grow and to demonstrate what he can do as humanly possible because we have a humongous decision to make here. Now, there's another thing that you could do. I mean, first of all, there's a, there's limitless options that you could pursue if you are the Packers, if you are Russ Ball. I would heavily consider... Turning 2025 into a real year, not a void year. By doing that, especially if Jones would agree to play for a much lower salary in 2025. If we just say, look, we're going to, we'll guarantee your 2025 salary. It's not going to be much and we're not going to have a lot of bonuses baked in here but this will allow us to keep you over the next few years instead of cutting you and having you have to go move on and find a new team. Um, and you'll get to play with us a little bit longer. I think I would offer that to him. If you offer him a very small amount of money in 2025, with the understanding that this 2025 deal allows you to stay here for 2023 and 2024 and make the whole 37 million dollars instead of missing out on 28 million of that. Then one thing that that lets you do is, uh, you are, first of all, you're, you're getting an extra year out of them and that $8.5 million doesn't have to all hit in 2025. You can push that out a little bit further and stretch the pain out a little bit, you know, a little more thinly. Basically, what you want to do is you want to add a year to his deal where he is underpaid enough that it kind of balances out the overpaid. Now, I'm not talking about the money that Aaron Jones is getting and that, oh, you know, you are getting paid more than you're worth. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the way they have chosen to structure their contract, they are on the hook now because they got so many years out of him for cheap just with the way that they structured the cap. I'm not talking about dollars in his pocket. I'm talking about dollars against the salary cap. They got so many cheap years out of him that now they have to dramatically overpay to the salary cap for what they could possibly get out of him as a football player. So what you need to do is find a way to add another year or years to his deal where he is again being underpaid against the salary cap. And unfortunately that would also coincide with him being a bit underpaid, um, in terms of dollars. And that would let you stretch out some of that cap pain from 2023, 2024 over the 2025 season and make it all a little bit more tolerable. So if he played for like that minimum in 2025, with the understanding that there is 28 million bucks for 2023 and 2024, 14 million bucks a year that you would be missing out on. Maybe that's a pitch you make to him. I don't think Aaron Jones agent would let him do that. If he's a good agent, I think that that's not a good deal for Aaron Jones, but that is a way if he wants to be a lifelong Packer, this is a way that that could happen. So it's something to consider. So overall, it is certainly possible to bring back Aaron Jones. It's possible to bring back any player you want. Just, you know, every player you choose to bring back affects how many other players you can bring back. And, and they are allocating way too much cap to the running back position, which is a highly replaceable position. I think if I was in charge, I would move on from Aaron Jones and try and replace the value we're getting from Aaron Jones with a draft pick or a free agent and keep trying to fix the passing offense a little bit better. Whether that's bringing in a first round rookie wide receiver or making a trade for somebody or signing somebody. I think that you can, make the overall offense better because it has not been good this year. This is the thing is like, look, it only works when we funnel everything through Aaron Jones. Okay. But has that actually been good enough? It hasn't. We've won five games this year so far. It's been bad. And yeah, you know, the last four weeks, the offense has looked nice with Christian Watson out there. But again, we've only won two of the last four games and the whole rest of the year we had Many games where we are putting up, uh, you know, less than 17 points. Like it's, it's, it's been embarrassing. Like the offense has not worked. So do you want to overpay even more and more and more every year for the next few years to keep getting that same result? Or do we try and fix some other areas of the offense so that we are not so dependent on Aaron Jones and we can get more bang for our buck By paying some other guys, we can probably pay multiple guys, probably can pay two or three young receivers or tight ends or running backs, some combination thereof. You probably could pay a receiver, a tight end and a running back for the next two years for this amount of money and like actual actual quality players. I think you could get one of each of those guys, actual quality players for the amount of money that you're trying to pay to Aaron Jones. So it is going to stink to take a $9.5 million cap hit to the chin in 2023 for a guy who's no longer on your team. It's going to stink to say goodbye to Aaron Jones, who is, I think he's my favorite player on offense. I mean, I love Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, Aaron Jones is so dang likable and so fun to watch. It stinks, but. I think that is the consequence of the decisions that you made for the 2020 and 2021 and even the 2022 seasons. You made some bad decisions in who you chose to pay and how, and it's got to come. It's got to come due at some point. You moved on from Zedarius. You moved on from Billy Turner. You move on from Aaron Jones here. And I think that it makes the offense a lot better. If you take that same money and invest in, some other young offensive players who can really help you out, whether that's offensive line, whether that's receiver, tight end, running back. You got $28 million over two years here that you can either pay to Aaron Jones to kind of keep doing what he's been doing, but probably at a lower level because he's playing at such a high level right now, and it's not realistic to think that a – 29, 30 year old guy is going to be able to keep up this crazy momentum. It's just not realistic. Maybe he can, but it's not realistic to expect that he certainly will. So you can pay him $28 million over the next two years and hope that he keeps this up and that the rest of the offense lifts up enough so that the whole thing actually works. Or you take that money and try and bolster uh, the offense in some other ways with some other young players and I think that that is the better option but I did illustrate a couple of ways that you can keep him and we know the Packers really really like him and we know that lately they try and do whatever it takes to keep the guys they really really like so if I had to guess what will happen I think they will keep him I don't think they should and that is coming from a guy who absolutely adores Aaron Jones and is a humongous fan of the way he <laughs> plays football. But I I just think that it is to the overall detriment of the football team to be paying over 9% of your total salary cap on just the running back position. I mean, of any position on the entire football team, that's not like a punter, <laughs> running back is so low on my list of positions where I would be willing to pay 9% of my salary cap. I mean, seriously, I linebacker, maybe that's, that's like it (laughs) safety. Um, going forward, I would like to, like I said, like to get some, uh, voicemails from you guys, but I'm also going to go through uh, a bunch of our free agents and talk about who we should bring back and I think safety is a position we have to talk about kind of right away because the safety room is a mess for the Packers. And I think that it is completely, completely reasonable to think that your starting safeties next year might be Rudy Ford and some draft pick. You yeah, you're still going to have Darnell Savage on the roster. We're going to talk about that, uh, but the safety position is really in shambles right now. So um, I want to talk about that, and I think that um, I think I think there's some interesting stuff to explore there, uh, and, and we'll do a bunch of other positions too. A lot of guys to make decisions on. There are guys who are under contract who maybe shouldn't be. There are guys who are free agents that the Packers are going to really really want to have back. And we're also going to have to talk about uh, Rashawn Gary and his contract extension, because I think that that is coming very soon. So we're going to have to talk about numbers and what that's going to look like. And I'm really excited to get into that. I'm um, getting out of here right now, though. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Really hope we win. Go Pack Go!